I'm going to read this passage for us this morning and then pray. Starting in verse 1. Then the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of traditions? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, If anyone tells his father or his mother, What you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the Word of God. You hypocrites! Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that this defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And he said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, Slander, these are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Let's pray. Father, we ask that this morning You would help us understand Your Word that we would come away trusting You and only You, that our affections for You, our joy and our love toward You would only increase all the more. Amen. In our passage this morning, what we are seeing going on is the Pharisees are going out of their way to confront and accuse Jesus for allowing His disciples to break the tradition of the elders. 
But without realizing it, as Jesus then replies to them, He fills them in on their blind spot. That in order to keep the modern day traditions, they actually allow people to break one of the Ten Commandments. And He goes on to use a prophet that the religious leaders of the day would have held in high esteem. Isaiah to confront them. Jesus, basically, what He does is He calls them posers. He calls them hypocrites. He says, you give God lip service. Your hearts aren't close to God. Your lips may be, but your heart is far from God. And so, wanting to teach the crowds, He pulls the crowds in, and He tells them, it's not what comes out of your mouth that makes you unclean. It's not what, comes, or not what goes into your mouth that makes you unclean or, or sinful. It's what comes out. Because the disciples were overly concerned with what the Pharisees thought, they came to Jesus expressing concern that the Pharisees didn't like what Jesus said. Jesus just tells them, leave them alone. They will be uprooted and they will fall into a pit. And then He goes on to explain for us. What defiles a person isn't what a person eats. What makes a person sinful isn't what a person eats. It's what comes out of the person's heart. It's the thoughts that a person thinks. It's the words that a person says. This. This is what makes a person sinful. Sharice and I last night, we were talking about our college years and just, just, we just expressed to one another how we had a very wild college experience. And not in the same sense that most people would probably think. It was wild in the sense that we willingly went to a college that gave us a curfew that was for 10 p.m. It was wild in the sense that when I would get done working out after basketball practice and go to the cafeteria, I would be told, I'm sorry, Max, you have to go back to your room and put on khakis and a collared shirt. Because that was one of the, the rules. You had, to wear a, you had to wear khaki pants and a collared shirt. A few years before I went there, women were required to wear skirts and dresses all year long. There was a tradition that was taught and passed down from generation to generation. Now, don't hear me saying I loved my time at that school. It had its problems, I think. But it was a fantastic college to go to. But these traditions were passed down from generation to generation to generation. Traditions are, are a teaching and a thought of how something should be done. We all have certain traditions in our lives, in our churches, in our cultures, in our families. 
traditions help us function. One thing, though, after thinking about tradition, at least in the church, it's, it's clear that when traditions become a means to the end, instead of supporting the means to the end, the church gets into a strange predicament. When tradition becomes a means to the end, instead of supporting, the church gets into a strange predicament. We've seen this throughout church history. We see this within Scripture itself. In the book of Galatians, Paul is writing to them, saying, why are you going back and being mastered by the law when you've been freed from the law? The law won't carry you to salvation. Jesus is already saved. We see throughout church history that tradition becomes the means to salvation and very wonky things start to happen. And so what I believe we're seeing in this passage today is Jesus calling out this truth. The simple truth. That the heart makes a person sinful, not breaking traditions. The heart, the heart, your heart, my heart is what makes us sinful. Is what makes us unclean, is what defiles us. Not breaking tradition. And so because Bill pointed out to me on Tuesday at our elder meeting that, I was, uh, that, that somehow preachers always seem to find three points for a sermon, I've decided to go with two points. You're welcome, Bill. Our first point, we're going to look at the tradition and the commandment that Jesus is talking about. That's verses 1 through 9. And in, in our second point, we're going to look at what makes a person sinful. Verses 10 through 20. So let's go ahead and let's look at this first point, this tradition and this commandment. We see that the, the Pharisees and the scribe, the religious leaders of the day, they go out of their way to seek out Jesus. They come from Jerusalem to Jesus. To what? They think they have something against Jesus. They want to accuse Him. They think we've got a crowd in front of Jesus is gaining momentum. His popularity is only continuing to grow. We need to put a kibosh to this. We need to drag His name through the mud. We, we need to make sure that people know He is letting His disciples sin. He's willfully allowing them to break the tradition of the elders. This is a no-no. This is one of the commands that we heap on people. The people know that they can't break this. And yet Jesus, this supposed Messiah, is allowing His disciples to break this commandment. An easy tradition to follow. What tradition is this? Washing their hands. Washing their hands before they eat bread. This is what the Pharisees ask. Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. 
I think the question that we should ask ourselves is, is the religious leaders, are they concerned about hygiene here? No. They're not concerned about hygiene. They think that the disciples are willfully sinning. They think by the disciples not washing their hands before eating bread, that puts them in the category of defiled, sinful, unclean. But we see Jesus today in a bit of a no-nonsense mood, don't we? Because He follows up their question with a question of his own. Jesus almost goes straight for the jugular here. He answered them, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Which commandment? Honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, think they have Jesus. And yet they, feel, they fail to realize that because of their own spiritual blindness, they, they don't see that they are for the sake of their tradition, breaking the fifth commandment. To honor your father and mother. And these aren't, these aren't kids. These are grown men. These are grown men that are breaking the commandment of not honoring their father and mother. Let's, let's dig a little bit deeper into the religious leaders' hearts, though. How are they not honoring their father and mother? They'd been teaching something. They'd been living a certain way. If anyone tells his father or his mother what you would have gained from me is given to God, sorry, mom and dad, I'd help out and, and, and give you some money for some food, but this money that I'm going to give is actually going to God. Sorry, Mom and Dad, I'd actually give you this food and, and, and help you and love you by serving you, but this food actually is, is being dedicated to God. Sorry, Mom and Dad, I would come and serve you, but my ministry takes precedence over obeying this command. The, the Pharisees were believing and teaching that if you dedicated something to God, that they no longer had to obey the commandment. And what Jesus goes on to tell them is that by you doing that, you are abolishing the fifth commandment. You are getting rid of the fifth commandment. It goes one, two, three, four. 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. No fifth commandment. You are willfully and actively teaching people to dishonor and revile their mother and father. All for the sake 
of appearing religious. What it comes down to is the Pharisees were actively teaching the people, you don't have to love your neighbor as long as you're serving God. As long as you follow the tradition, as long as on the outside you appear to have it together and you present yourself a certain way, you don't have to love your neighbor. What does Jesus say to this though? Jesus' rebuke to the Pharisees here is pretty strong. As he uses Isaiah, a prophet that the religious leaders would have said, this is our guy. If Isaiah were around today, we would have followed Isaiah. Isaiah goes up in the hall of faith in our houses. Instead, he uses Isaiah's words to judge the religious leaders for following the traditions while breaking the commands. What does he say here? He calls them hypocrites. He calls them posers. He, he says, you, you, you look one way, but you're actually another way. You're, you're whitewashed tombs. Your bowls on the outside that look clean and majestic and fancy, but on the inside, you're dirty. You can't be used. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. What Jesus is saying here is, is you, give, you give God lip service. You say all the right things. You look put together. And yet, your inner being, the thing, God wants the most is far from Him. Why do the Pharisees accuse the disciples of this? Why do the Pharisees accuse the disciples by just breaking a tradition? Because they elevated keeping the tradition as an indicator of being right with God. You probably notice that today I look a little bit different than most Sundays. It's because I shaved today. That's a joke. you probably have noticed something on my head. 
What pastor in their right mind wears a hat into the pulpit? Maybe you've already been confronted in your heart with this. What is he doing wearing a hat? Doesn't he know that makes him look less authoritative? It makes him look less holy? Pastors don't wear a hat when they preach. What is he doing? Maybe you've already talked about it with somebody. Maybe your heart has already caused you to bear false witness and slander me. Could it possibly be that that may be one of the unspoken traditions of this day? A hat. How does a hat make somebody less holy? How does a hat make a pastor less a pastor? What outward traditions do you keep and hold close to your heart to mask your heart being far from God? You see, here's the interesting thing about tradition. Tradition works in both ways. Tradition can be conservative in nature. Tradition can be what we teach is you don't do this, and you don't do this, and you don't do this. But tradition can also be passed down in if you just do this, and you just do this, and you just do this. You see, it's easy for, let's just use the church as an example, traditional churches, high churches, churches that have long and lengthy prayers and confessions and lots of scripture reading to look at the more contemporary church and say, they must be far from God for the way that they do worship. And the contemporary church can look at the more traditional church and say, well, they must be far from God because everything they do is cold. You see how it works? We're all prone to use our tradition as a means to the ends of salvation. We're all prone to use our tradition to justify why we are right with God and somebody else isn't. And what trusting tradition leads to, as Jesus has pointed out, is a lack of love towards your neighbor. What you're telling your neighbor is that you must behave first. And if you behave and you believe the right things, then at that point you can belong with us. So, let me ask this again. What tradition is your heart believing in? What tradition are you sitting on saying, this is what makes me, this is what makes a person right with God? Because we're going to see in just a moment what makes a person right with God. 
We're going to see in our second point what makes a person sinful. And believe it or not, this is the most liberating news that we could possibly look to and think about. This is the best question at this point that we could ask ourselves. What makes a person sinful? In verses 10 through 20, this is what Jesus is helping the disciples and the crowds see. He starts off telling us. And he called the people. He said, gather, gather around, everybody. Hear this. Understand this. Pay attention. Listen closely. I've got something to say. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. It's not what a person eats. This isn't what makes a person sinful or unclean or, or defiled. Instead, it, it's what comes out of the mouth. And, and, and the disciples come to Jesus and, and say, do you know that the Pharisees were offended by this? Why? Because Jesus is, is pronouncing that those things that were unclean and that you weren't able to eat, that's not what makes a person ultimately sinful. That's not what makes a person sinful. I read this and I see what Jesus is saying. Hey, look, you can have a bacon-wrapped bacon sandwich now. Bacon is no longer unclean. If you eat bacon, that's not what makes you sinful. That's not what defiles you. It's what comes out of the mouth. And the Pharisees are livid at this. How could Jesus teach this? How could He go around saying this? Are you serious, Jesus? You see, the, the Pharisees are upset. You're telling them to break these traditions, Jesus. And so, the Pharisees are upset. And Jesus goes on to tell them, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. For those of you who have been here, throughout this series in Matthew. Does this not ring a bell at all to the parabolic discourse in chapter 13? As Jesus uses the parable of the, the wheat and the weeds? How the wheat are the, the sons and the daughters who were planted by the Father and the weeds are the sons and daughters planted by the devil? And how at the end of the harvest, the, the, the wheat and the weeds will get pulled up and one will be stored away in a barn and the other will be burned? Jesus is talking about these religious leaders that, that they will be uprooted. He's talking about these false teachers that they will be uprooted at some point. And they will be thrown out. But not only that, he goes on to say that, that let them alone. Forget about them. Leave these false teachers to themselves. Don't pay them attention. Don't worry about their opinions. Why? Because they're blind spiritually. They do not see the folly and the sin that's before their eyes. And those that are also blind they will lead straight into the pit. 
the pit of destruction. Those who try to justify their good deeds and good works before God will not be allowed entrance. They will be cast out. As they are sitting there or standing there saying, Lord, Lord, did we not do this and this and this? And the Lord says to them, depart from me, for I never knew you. The religious leaders were trusting in their works. The religious leaders thought that what they did made them right with God. And so they heaped on burden after burden after burden upon the people that they were to lead and care for and shepherd. And so Peter, wanting more clarity, asks Jesus, Explain the parable to us. Because we, we, we don't get it, Jesus. And so Jesus tells them, it's not what goes into your mouth. Don't you see whatever goes into your mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? Don't you see that whatever you eat, you end up flushing down the toilet at some point? Don't you see that your works are like filthy rags? It's what comes out of the mouth. Because what comes out of the mouth is preceded by the heart. This defiles a person. A heart makes a person unclean. A heart makes a person sinful. Because out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defile a person. These are what make a person sinful. This is a callback to the Sermon on the Mount. As Jesus is teaching the people, it's not just the act of carrying out murder that makes you a sinful person. It's being angry at that person. It's not just the, the act of adultery that makes you an adulterer. It's the thought that makes you an adulterer. The religious leaders of the day were so concerned and consumed with the, the people of God keeping a checklist of rules of do's and don'ts. They had fallen into the trap of believing that those do's or don'ts is what justified the people of God and made them right with God. But what Jesus is telling His disciples is it's not the checklist that makes you right or wrong with God. It's your heart that has already condemned you. 
Do you notice that Jesus says evil thoughts? It's just evil thoughts. It's not evil actions. It's not even evil words. It's evil thoughts that arise from the heart that makes you sinful. Our hearts are deceptively wicked and deceitful above all else. This is what Jesus is telling His disciples is is that their hearts, is that your hearts, my heart, is deceptively wicked above everything else. And that my good works that I bring to God are as if they're filthy rags before Him. Our rightness with God does not come and cannot come from our works. They cannot come from keeping the traditions of the day. Instead, keeping these traditions only burden us even more. They only weigh us down all the more. They only cause us to sink all the more. And so in a very real sense, if we ask the question, is Jesus calling me an evil person? We are confronted with the answer, yes. By nature, from birth, our hearts are evil and sinful and wicked. We have compromised hearts. Our hearts are compromised because of the sin that is in there. And what trusting in tradition, and what trusting in our good works do, is it's just like painting. We are trying to, to paint our ugly hearts to look beautiful. We so quickly trust in tradition keeping of good works in order to ease our consciences. The conviction of the Spirit comes along and and then what do we do? We, We tell ourselves, I'll do better. I'll kick this habit. I'll stop drinking. I'll stop looking at pornography. I'll no longer take drugs. I I won't cheat anymore. All the while, what the Spirit of God is trying to do is to show you your sinfulness. And this is great news. Because if what Jesus is saying is good works and traditions won't save you but condemn you, then there is something that will save us. There is something that can save us. There is some, someone who has saved us. But before I, I mention Him, isn't it so wonderful that we look back in the Old Testament and, and we see God come to Israel's side when they're enslaved and shackled in Egypt? God doesn't bring the Ten Commandments to them and say, once you keep these Ten Commandments, then I'll rescue you. Once you are able to perfectly fulfill one through ten, then I will save you from Egypt. No, God comes in a merciful, gracious way and He delivers Israel out of Egypt. He saves them from their captive. And He says to them, you be My people and I will be your God. 
Here are my commands. This is how you can show that you love me. You've already been delivered. Far too often we get this confused, don't we? Far too often in in keeping with our good works or our traditions, what we start to believe is that if I just do these things, then I'll be accepted by God. But the Gospel tells us that it's been done for you. And because it's been done for you, if you believe you're accepted by God, this is the Gospel. This is what Christ is going to the cross for. To bring peace on earth with mankind so that those who trust in Him can have this peace, can have this right standing. It's not paying back God. It's trusting in His Son, Jesus. And maybe you're here with us this morning and you aren't a believer. What good works or traditions of this culture, of this moment in 2022, in the 21st century, are you trusting to make you believe that you are a good person? You will never be affirming enough to be a good person in the sight of this world. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a brother and sister. Have you fallen back into the old habit of believing that your tradition will carry you on to glory? Have you put the shackles of slavery back on you. I'd like to finish with this encouragement for you this morning. Read the book of Galatians. Specifically chapter 3, but read the whole thing. Brother, sister, if you're here this morning and you've put the shackles of tradition back on, Know this. Your sin was meant to point you to the law of God. Your sin was to point you to the Ten Commandments. To remind you and show you that you could not live up to the standard that Jesus has. And so the law of God doesn't condemn us. It actually is supposed to take us by our hands and lead us to Jesus. To remind us the great sacrifice that Jesus has done to rescue and save us. Brother and sister, you're free. You're free from the cruel tyranny of tradition. Turn to Christ. 
Look to Him. Trust Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that we are not held captive by tradition. That we are not held captive by our good works, but instead Jesus saves us. That Jesus reconciles us. That Jesus makes us right with You, not tradition. And so we ask that You would help us realize when we take tradition too far, when we take tradition and use it as a means to the end, We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.